In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a beaver living in the manhole of the storm sewer in my backyard. This is noteworthy for at least two reasons. First, there's the historical significance. Given the thousands and thousands of chapel services that have been conducted over the 170-year history of this institution, this is most likely the first and only time that a chapel sermon has begun with the sentence, there's a beaver living in the manhole of the storm sewer in my backyard. In other words, I, I think we made history today. Second, there's the contextual significance. You see, although it may seem irrelevant at first glance, the fact that there's a beaver living in the manhole of the storm sewer in my backyard is extremely important for what we will be talking about today. Allow me to explain. I have a beautiful and talented six-year-old hunting dog named Lucky. Lucky is an English setter, and much to my joy and satisfaction, she is extremely proficient at doing and being what our Heavenly Father created her to do and be. She is a bird-hunting machine. And every fall, she and I, and usually Dr. Schumacher, enjoy one another's company, companionship, and cooperation as we successfully hunt the wily ring-necked pheasant, the explosive bobwhite quail, and the elusive northern ruffed grouse. Lucky was made for bird hunting. That's her God-given vocation. So it should come as no surprise that she is most happy and most content when she is doing what she was made to do. And then a beaver moved into the manhole of the storm sewer in my backyard. And it would appear that for a hunting dog at least, the aroma of a nearby beaver is both enticing and addictive. Uh, a sort of doggy crack cocaine, if you will. That beaver is on Lucky's mind all the time. She doesn't eat, she doesn't sleep, she doesn't even want to come inside and hang out with her family. She just wants to sit next to that manhole and smell that beaver and think about that beaver and dream about getting that beaver. Never mind that that beaver is living in an impregnable concrete pillbox. Never mind that it is always just out of her reach. She is focused on it. She is obsessed with it. And she is target locked on it so much so that her life is passing her by. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and tra a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
it could happen to you. It could happen to me. In this country and in this culture, we are all at risk. Oh, I know when it comes to how we are perceived by outsiders, we paint a pretty convincing picture. We are poor seminary students, and we are poor theology professors. Of course, we're always talking about our finances and never about our actual ability to perform. But nevertheless, the message gets shared and the message gets out. We're poor. We're disadvantaged. We're put upon. But are we? Really? In his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians, Rob Bell offers some startling statistics about America's affluence. America controls nearly 20% of the world's wealth. There are around 6 billion people in the world and there are roughly 300 million people in the U.S. That makes America less than 5% of the world's population and this 5% owns a fifth of the world's wealth. One billion people in the world today do not have access to clean water while the average American uses 400 to 600 liters of water a day. Every seven seconds, somewhere in the world, a child under age five dies of hunger, while Americans throw away 14% of the food we purchase. Nearly one billion people in the world live on less than one American dollar a day. Another 2.5 billion people in the world live on less than two American dollars a day. More than half the world lives on less than $2 a day, while the average American teenager spends nearly $150 per week. Americans spend more annually on trash bags than nearly half of the world does on all goods. We're poor? Don't think so. We're disadvantaged? Not likely. We're doing without? Not hardly. On the contrary, in this country and in this culture, we have more than most, and the problem with people who are fallen and sinful when they have more, they also tend to want more. It happens every spring. I go to the St. Louis Auto Show. I see the shiny new cars. I run my hands across their curvaceous and beautifully sculpted flanks. I plop my backside down into well-bolstered seats. I carefully caress the steering wheel and close my eyes. The heady aroma of Wood and leather fills my nostrils. My heart palpitates. And it's not long before I'm thinking, no, I'm planning, no, no I'm plotting, no, I'm scheming. How? How can I get one of these for myself? And you are just like me. It may not be cars, 
but it is something else. You, me, all of us have this innate ability to be dissatisfied with what we have and to always want more. In that recent Christmas movie based on Dr. Seuss' book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, there's a scene in that movie where the Grinch, who lives up on the same mountain that also serves as Whoville's landfill, there's a scene in that movie where the Grinch confronts all of the Whovillians with their sinful need for more. Gifts, the Grinch shouts. Gifts, 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 gifts. Do you want to know what happens to your gifts? They all come to me in your garbage. You see what I'm saying? In your garbage. I could hang myself with all the bad neckties I found at the dump. The avarice. The avarice never ends. I want golf clubs. I want diamonds. I want a pony so I can ride on it twice, get bored, and sell it to make glue. The avarice never ends. And if that wasn't true about you and about me and about all of us, then it wouldn't get so deathly quiet in my classroom the first time that I ever talk about tithing. We're so focused. We're so obsessed. We're so target-locked on stuff that it hardly occurs to us that the good life God wants for us just might be passing us by. The joy of being a son or a daughter, the joy of being a husband or a wife, the joy of being a mother or a father, the joy of being a friend and colleague, the joy of being part of a place that changes lives and changes eternities forever, the joy of being a child of God. Are you missing out on the joy of life? on the joy of all your God-given vocations because you want more stuff? C.S. Lewis observes that prosperity knits a man to the world. St. Paul says it like this, People who want to get rich fall in temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It sounds bad. So what's the answer? What's the antidote. Well, it is, as St. Paul says in our text, the great gain of godliness with contentment. Now, the godliness part, as you know, comes from the person and work of Jesus, who, as St. Paul sings, appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. This Jesus did all of this for you so that you have life and have it to the full. 
By him and through him, the God of God and Lord of Lords, the creator and master and omnipotent of the ruler of the universe, is your heavenly father and you are his own dear child. I mean, you can say to him every morning, good morning, dad, it's me. (laughs) And he loves it. He absolutely loves it because he loves hearing from his own dear child. So I have a question for you. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You see, following St. Paul's lead, St. Augustine defines concupiscence as a misplaced love of God, a disordered desire for earthly things which, though good, become evil when they are wrongly loved. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, our Heavenly Father simply loves us too much to allow this to happen to us. So he gives us all things. But he does it in a way that resources our faith, our relationships, and our vocations in just the right way and at just the right time. We won't get everything we want, but we will get everything we need. Preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, reaching out with the gospel, These are never unfunded mandates. Rather, as St. Paul says, everything is already yours as a gift. The world, life, death, the present, the future, all of it is yours. And you are privileged to be in union with Christ, who is in union with God. And that is all we need to be content. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The faculty of Concordia Seminary has great respect for the pastoral office. We therefore require that the students of Concordia Seminary receive appropriate instruction in theology and practice before they begin their service in the chancels and pulpits of our congregations. Today's brief ceremony has been arranged to give formal recognition to those seminarians who during the 2008-2009 academic year will have successfully completed the first year homiletics course and the required course in worship for special service in the congregation of our synod under the direction, direct supervision of ordained pastors. So, will the seminarians who will have successfully completed both homiletics one and worship by the end of this academic year please stand. My brothers in Christ, I ask you in the presence of God and in the company of your brothers and sisters in Christ, will you be diligent in the study of the sacred scriptures? Will you be persistent in prayer? 
And will you be faithful in the preparation necessary for the very finest in the chancels and pulpits of our congregations? If so, then answer, we will with God's help. Go then, fulfill your special service to preach and to lead God's people in worship. Be faithful in the strength which God the Holy Spirit gives you through the word and sacraments for Jesus' sake. May the Holy Spirit richly bless you through the means of grace, and may you be a blessing to many.